like to introduce Avanti Kahari, who is the writer and director of the film you've just seen, and Vivek Agarwal, who is the producer. And I'd like to invite up Narendra Sangha, who plays the father. Going, all of you are used to, most of you are used to the form here. We'll just start with, I'll ask some questions to Avantika and her other collaborators on this film, and then we'll have an opportunity to open up to everyone else's questions. Most of my questions are going to focus on the process of, of bringing this together, of, of looking at the development pre-production, but also issues of, of distribution, but focusing mostly on the process of, of bringing this story to the screen. What was the origin of this for you, Antika? <coughs> well, I wrote the script after reading a newspaper article um, on an honor killing. And I was really intrigued at uh, the idea that sort of a father could do this to his own daughter. So I, I started researching over, I think it took me about three years to get to get a hang of it. Um, and when I started working on it full time, I took about, I think about four, in five months I had a bound script. Um, the film was shot by an LFS graduate, a David Rom. And the production design is also by an LFS graduate, um, Emilia Carrere. Um, so starting from there, I had my LFS sort of classmates to sort of help me put the whole script together. They were really instrumental in how the film finally shaped up. Um, and, uh, and in fact, I could make it at a budget because they were all willing to work for very little money. So um, the, 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 the sort of classmates I had at LFS really sort of um, came together and supported me through the making of the film. So I would say uh, just keep those relationships really close to you. I know that the community in Birmingham is very much a part of bringing this film mm. to life. At what stage in the actual scripting process did you get to know people there? And were they in, involved in the research for you? Um, or did that happen after you had the script? After I had the script, I actually was deciding to shoot between Birmingham and Manchester. And then Vivek, when Vid came on board, this was, um, I think, six months before we started shooting the film, he said, you know, we, ne we need to go and look at the location in which you want to shoot it. And I was scared because, because of it being such a sensitive issue. Uh, Birmingham is sort of a hotbed of, um, of, of a lot of honor killings take place there. So I was a little scared of shooting there. But I knew as soon as I saw Birmingham, that's, that's the sort of city I want to shoot in. Um, and strangely, when we were shooting, people came up to us saying, you know, I'm so glad someone's actually tackling the issue because it's so big here and it needs to be tackled. So we got a lot of support. Um, and I also got access to victims, to actual victims in Birmingham uh, through an NGO that works there. And that, in a sense, so you'd written a script, you had the story, you knew the story world in your head, the character relationships. How much of an influence did meeting the actual victims have on the revision process? It had a lot of influence because um, the script that I wrote was based on articles I had read or uh, uh, sort of cases that I had read about. But when you meet, when I met an actual victim and I understood sort of their point of view, what really got to me was that even after being abused by their own families, uh, of course, because they were not dead. Um, uh, 
they still held them in very high esteem. They would never take them to court, for example. They would never have, they would never ask, they would never sort of make them go to prison, even in spite of everything that they did. They basically took their childhood away. But they still held their own families in such high esteem, and that was something that I had to sort of bring into the script at some point. That was the biggest sort of takeaway for me after, takeaway for me after meeting them. I want to, I'm going to come back to Vivek in a minute, but Narendra, I wanted to ask you, when you read the script, what was the first impression that you had? I mean, you, you read this story on a script. What was your first response to it? Well, firstly, it's just very nice just to get a script in the first place. I have to say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I read it, uh, and I just thought, just the subject matter of this story, what happens, you know, it's it, it's very difficult to try and imagine yourself kind of getting into the head of somebody, a father who loves his daughter very, very much, and then, you know, basically sanctions her death. Uh, that's, you know, that's, it's just a crazy mad thing. But reading the script, I just love the simplicity of, 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 this, of this script. And I don't mean by that the unsophistication of it, but just... It was, it had a kind of, um, it had like air in between and it just allowed, I think, for a lot of kind of, for, for us actors to just come in and just superimpose a, a lot of kind of stuff that was going on inside, I suppose, yeah. And you as a producer, you got the script. What was your immediate response to it? It was strange because at that point of time I was working on, on a Bollywood film which was uh, which is based on cricket, and I was traveling right from Australia to South Africa to England, and then shooting in India, and it had songs and dances and stuff. And suddenly, I get the script, which which um, I would say it was my ignorance. I didn't know much about honor killings before I read the script, and I read it, and it really blew me. And I <coughs> went on the net, searched about it, about um, honor killings and and what really happened, and realized that Avantika's script was so close to what happens in real life. Because there's so many incidences where I could relate a lot of things to the script and I decided that, wow, if, if, if I can manage to produce this film along with everything else I'm doing, this would mean much more to me. And I actually left working on that film and gave it to, to my colleagues to take care of and just put myself onto making this film. What was the first, what are the first things you did to move from a script that was written into something that could become a film? What, are, what were the first two or three things that you did as the producer? I think the, um, the first thing I wanted to do after reading the script was meet Avantika again because we didn't know each other at, mm -hmm. at all. She just, uh, she just called me one day in, uh, in uh, Mumbai and said that she wants to make a film and she has a script. And I said, before we can talk further, I want to read the script. So I, I called her back and and did a meeting with her just to understand her as to where she was coming from and, and what her knowledge of filmmaking was being a student because I haven't studied film to be a producer or a director. Uh, I've just learned on the job. I've just spent, um, before I became a director two years ago, I spent 10 years working in, working in Mumbai and out of it, seven years was spent working with the DOP. So I wanted to understand where she was coming from and I, and I realized that her knowledge of filmmaking was fabulous and she was, she was as committed as the people that I respected in 
in, um, in Mumbai. And, and the ideas she had were fabulous. Like, the first thing I asked her is, whom would she want to cast in a film like this? And what I was expecting was the cliched answer of, of naming these four actors who are in Mumbai, who, who act in the parallel cinema. And I'm not a big fan of their acting, but they are so-called the best actors in India to do parallel cinema. And she ruled those four names out in the first conversation itself and said she would want to uh, meet actors in Bombay or in, or in India um, who hadn't done big films, but just audition actors and see, and see how it goes. Because it would have been very easy for her to say, okay, let's go to X, Y, and Z and, and make the film with them. That, that really intrigued me that, wow, she knows what she's talking about. And we actually went to one casting agency in Bombay and met the agent there, uh, saw the work of three actors and ran away from, from that office because we knew immediately that this is not the kind of film we want to make with these actors. So that, that really worked for me. And I was actually testing Avantika in that first two weeks that is she, are we going to gel in as, as, a, uh, as the film that we want to make together? And, and those first two weeks worked brilliantly. And then, and then she was willing to listen as well as use my experience for the betterment of the film. And because it wasn't my film at the end of the day. I think it is Avantika's film. And the next thing we did was we came to Birmingham. She didn't bother about that. Okay, before casting, he's actually talking about where do you want to shoot it? And let's spend that money and go to Birmingham and see if we can actually make the film. Because that's the way I like to work is, is between two people, a director and a producer, you put together the whole film. And you don't spend much money in that, actually. We knew we didn't have a big budget to make the film. So we came down to England, kind of locked on a location. And then I used some of my contacts to, to understand how to go about casting for this film, where we can get some really good actors, not stars, mm -hmm. but, but really good actors, and not even spend money on a casting director. Fortunately, I have some friends who are casting directors in this country, and they helped me out. And I think we got, we got the best actors that we could have got for this film. In, I know you did workshops with your actors, Avantika. What were, in that workshop process of a week before you started shooting, how did you approach that with the actors? Um, it's really funny because I think the process that Lela went through was very different from the one Narinder mm -hmm. went through um, because of dates and things. Um, with Narinder and the other actors, I think we had a really nice sort of three days where we just spent getting to know the characters more. So um, we would do exercises together. They, like, for, for example, the mother, who, the, the lady who plays the mother in the film, Renu, she found out what the kids like to eat for dinner, for lunch. It's those kind of details that we went to. Um, we all did a backstory. So each actually actor did a backstory on their own character so that they were bringing something to the character that was fresh that even I hadn't thought of mm. as a writer, um, which was really interesting. Like, for example, the, the man who plays the uncle in the film said that his dark <coughs> secret was that he had once had an affair with a prostitute back home and he, was, he couldn't get that out. And he actually brought that to the character while we were shooting. Um, so it was, it was things like that that we, um, that we did in Narinder. Um, was, was great because he had to actually learn a lot of Urdu, which he doesn't even speak a word of. And he was so, he was so intense about learning the Urdu correctly that um, when we were doing the workshops, 
he was uh, you could see the intensity that he brought to the role even at the workshop level uh, and it, it was it was really nice we even uh, we even rehearsed a scene where you see the mother and the father when they hug uh, that was a really intimate moment between uh, Nazir and his wife and I remember when Renu had to first do it even at the workshop she was so shy that I was like please let's take this into the actual filming and but in the actual filming we actually turned it around she's a lot bolder she's a lot more mm. comfortable so it was it was things like that getting used to each other's even getting used to each other's sexuality getting that relationship across on screen how do how how um how well we could do that those were the kind of things that we really concentrated on on the work in in the workshop with lela um lela worked was was again, was um was paired against chris villiers mm-hmm. who's who's a very, very sort of yes. well-known actor. And Chris, with his experience, came to the script with, with a lot of um, really interesting suggestions. So we actually sat and we re-scripted a lot of the scenes with them mm-hmm. um, to make them a little more be- believable, more sort of credible. And in fact, Lela would say things like, no, I don't think sh- I would say that. You know, it, it just doesn't feel comfortable. So with her it was more making the scenes comfortable such that she could sort of emote uh well during those scenes. Make it more real I would say because mm-hmm. because she didn't um it was more like s- saying the scripted lines and what I think what she brought in was that no I would naturally say it this way which is still what yeah. the script wants to say. Well, there's a moment in the in the film that I rem- when I saw it I remember thinking I could feel the character's rage. Do you know the moment I'm talking about? Mm, there's, yeah, it's, she's a really complicated character. And, well, you know, it, I think um, we had quite a lot of trouble trying to figure out how, or what kind of level to play that kind of mm. anger at, I think. Because, you know, it's a really difficult thing for her as a junior solicitor. They, have, they don't have any choice about what cases they get given and she was obviously at some sort of point in her life where she was beginning to make her own decision about her career and which way she was going to go and it's um yeah I've completely forgotten what you were saying <laughs> about the <laughs> anger what you do with that anger yeah well um what do you do with it she we she had she has to make a decision about whether she wants to carry on and obviously she she made that decision to leave and and I could have gone a lot further mm. with that anger but I don't know she she's slightly you know she starts off fine I'm going to just you know do my job but as she gets close and she actually meets the first time she's met someone face to face who's done this and, and and she just can't deal with it and then I think that starts to bring up a lot of her own kind of issues about religion and, and her culture and her identity and think, yeah. yeah and her identity mm. and what this actually means that they're, they're going to let this guy get off with murder and then yeah. you know and that's that really affects her it, it's a massive it's a massive thing I mean, I, want, I mean one of the things that i think distinguishes this film is the relationship with your son you know that the brother is the the one who who takes action i mean how 
in the workshop? I mean, what, how did you develop a relationship? Because I think the relationship with your daughter is very clear on screen. How did you go about developing a relationship with, with the boy who plays your son? Well, I said, you know, you know, I suppose all of us, we were all developing a relationship together and it's the same uh, with everybody else, just spending time getting to know, you know, Ali, you know, what his interests are, just joking around and just, you know, just asking him things and him, him asking me things. Okay, okay. I have one more question and then we'll go open it out. I mean, this is... The film has been seen by many different audiences but it hasn't found its audience in the cinema. I mean, the distribution, and you having, you know, television has also been a problem. Looking back on the development and pre-production process, is there anything that you would do differently now that you have encountered the obstacles to, you know, that we develop films, we produce them, but if they don't find an audience on television or in the cinema, have they really? Have you really made the full journey? What would you do differently now, in the early stages of the journey? Not that it would guarantee distribution, but that you might that might increase your chances of of finding that public audience, that's that cinema audience. I think one thing I would have definitely done is. Um, while we were shooting the film in Birmingham, we got a lot of press because of, the, because of the kind of film we were shooting, because of the subject matter. And I think at that point, when we were really, really hot in the papers, we, I mean, we were covered by the BBC, by ITV, by The Guard, we were everywhere. At that point, I think we should have gone out and found a sales agent at that point, sort of capitalized on the, on the kind of press we were getting and gone and found a sales agent to sell the film. We didn't do that at that time. So I think that's the biggest learning I took away, is that when you're creating hype, or when hype is created for you, then you have to capitalize on it. Are there things as a producer that when you read that script, are there things that you now look and you think, I should have done differently that might have made the beginning of the journey different? Yeah, it's just that, you know, every time I read a new script, and if it's by a new filmmaker, I does challenge me to make the film if it's a new script because for a new director it's very very difficult to either find finance or producer or actors and I'd gone through that same process when I made my first film three years ago and what I the mistake I made again the second time around and I hopefully won't do it again with another filmmaker is is okay you put together the film you get the actors you and if you know it's a parallel cinema film and you don't have actors who can bring in the sales agent or the distributors, but you still want to make the film with those actors. You, you set up the film, take, say, give yourself a timeline, two weeks, a month, two months, and actually uh, be aggressive about, about either finding a distributor or a sales agent. And it's not so difficult if you, if you put your mind to it at that stage, because what happens is at this stage, after you've made the film, you are at the mercy of the distributor or the sales agent, and they know that, that the investment has been made. And, uh, and in our case, I think more than not capitalizing on the press we got uh, while we were shooting, I think it's the, it's the recession and the world market, because 
this film is not for the Indian market. It's for the world market. And we all know what's happened since, since October last year. There's no money for anything. So, like, why would a distributor pick up a film with no names in it then pick up a film which has some kind of sellability? As well as, um, as, well as yeah, we all know it's a real film, but it doesn't have a positive ending. But that's what I've heard from a lot of sales agents, that your film is lovely, it's brilliant, but it's not a hopeful film. And, th- and people speak that language because we are facing a recession. I think you also said something very interesting, though, when you said that the investment's already been made. Yeah. And in the same way that you drew in your DP, your production designer, you, you drew in your crew and you made them part of the process of creating the film. Your producer was very much involved. Your actors brought a great deal to it, the community of Birmingham. And I think that's the key note, is that, is that the distributors had no stake yeah, absolutely. in the success of your film, and that, that in a sense, before you, before you let the cameras roll in principal yeah. photography, you needed an advocate, in a sense, in the same way that you as producer were there to yeah. allow Avantika to, to have that space in which to make her movie you as the producer needed somebody who was going to facilitate you doing what a producer is. A producer makes a movie to get it to an audience and so that you didn't arm yourself. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Questions from the audience? Um, How did it do at festivals? Because it's the kind of film that festivals love, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we We haven't actually taken it out to the festivals yet. We're starting to now. Um, and hopefully we should get some feedback. I think you'll do really next. well in festivals. Thank oh. you. I'd just like to, uh, but the thing is, I'll tell you what, even there as a producer, it's not that easy, believe me. You might make a wonderful film, and I'm not saying we made the best film in the world, but there are certain logistics that work in getting into a festival too. Like, let's be honest, we've been rejected by 27 festivals. No, but the other And there's no reasoning for that. And like, the most, the... Well, uh, one reply that I got because I had an inroad into into the into the festival where I was trying to use a contact and see why am I going to reject with you, and I got a very loud uh, response from this person is that see you haven't made a bad film you've made a very good film, but we are scared of putting it in the festival because of, of the controversial subject. Which we don't so, think so you're not missing out on because it's it's not been shot well or it's not been directed well or it's not been acted well, but Yes, scared. And also because of the kind of time it is, recession, in the, in, because of the recession, it's the bigger names that pull the audience yeah, into yeah, a yeah, festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, the space yeah. for the screenings will go to a bigger director, a bigger yeah. actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found that with my film as well. Yeah, so um, we just got to yeah. keep trying. Congratulations on, I know Urdu, so I, I can understand how hard work it was. Uh, secondly, um, I was wondering, was that an, uh, an intentional decision that uh, you made your character very, very subtle uh, or was that something that came out after you researched with the victims or...? The character very subtle? Uh, the father, who he was yeah. very subtle in nature and for him to do s- yeah. such an yeah. act, uh, was that an intentional That was thing intentional, or? yes. That was intentional. I want 
basically I wanted to see a, an arc. I wanted to see him transform into something that you wouldn't expect him in, to transform into. You wouldn't expect, uh, I mean, like if someone tells me about honor killing, I would expect someone, a Muslim being a very uh, conservative or a very I know. orthodox kind of person. So. You know, strangely, I, I thought that too. But when I researched more, I found out that actually it was more common for people in this sort of economic, socio-economic bracket to do it because they had more at stake to lose if their honor went or their reputation went than someone in a lower economic, socio-economic bracket. So the I was really intrigued by that. I mean, I think that one of the things I admire about the structuring of your film is that the subplots are very important, and the role of the uncle, and the pressure that the uncle brings to bear on the father, and that the uncle becomes the father to the young man. And, and again, in, in Layla's role, that, that you were really brought into perspective what this meant for other people, not just your central character. Other questions? What was the uh, budget? One million US. Um, just on that budget issue, can I ask where you raised the finances from? It was all private funding. I stole the money from my family, <laughs> basically. <laughs> so, yeah. About the process of rewriting, you just mentioned you collaborated a lot with your actors and, and the victims you met. I was wondering as a director and as a writer, did you... Um, how much um, did you feel you, you were in control just before you started shooting in terms of did you have finished script or were you just going along with improvisation? Um, no, I did. I'm very scared of... Imp I would love to make a film that was only improv, but I'm so scared of the process because I, I feel like I'm still getting to grips with the entire medium. So I had a locked script before and I couldn't change it because poor Narendra had learned all the Urdu lines anyway. So I couldn't, <laughs> so I couldn't change much. Uh, the only things that did change were the lawyer scenes, uh, because after we had a, we had uh, we had our workshop. I actually went to a lawyer in the city, and made sure that all the legalities were correct. So those were the only scenes that changed. And luckily, their scenes were at the end of the shoot, so I had some time to work on them. But apart from that, nothing changed before going. Uh, well, when we were on set, things would change. But very minor things. How long did you shoot for? Twenty-four days okay. over the summer. Yeah. So, four weeks. And you shot it on Fujifilm, right? Yes. Yeah. Thirty-five millimeter. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was the most difficult scene to write for you? What was the scene you had most difficulty with rewriting or writing or? Uh, uh, you know the scene I hate the most in the film. That was the scene I had the most difficulty writing. Was the scene of the confrontation with the father, and when the boyfriend comes in and the father screams at him. I hate that scene, and I watch it now and I hate it. And I and I hate that scene. Um, I I just felt like it. It was too simple. I don't know. I don't know what I. I, I still don't know what I have a problem with. But I don't like that scene. That was probably the hardest scene. Uh, the hardest scene to execute was the killing, but the hardest scene to write, and I still hate it, is, is that scene of the confrontation. Yeah. Uh, I was wondering how much of the film shaped up for you in the edit? Uh, did you have a smooth edit in terms of what it was at the script stage, or did you play around with Actually, you know, it's really funny. Uh, I'm used to having, like in school when we, when we used to shoot here, um, 
usually your editor works side by side with you, you know. Um, so I, ha I was used to having my editor's input while I was shooting. But this was the first time, because I was doing all my posts in India, that I didn't have an editor on set. So I made sure that I covered, I did as much coverage as I can, so he had a lot of... And then when I went to India, he said, he looked at all my raw footage and he said, leave me alone for two weeks and come to me after two weeks. And I was like, what? And he's like, yes, just leave me alone for two weeks. So I actually did not see the edit for two weeks after I went to India. And then when he actually showed me the film, I was amazed at how close he got to the film, like to the actual, I mean, there were very minor changes I made even after uh, he edited. He's a very seasoned editor. So he actually found the pace. He found, um, he found a lot of the moments. He loved the sort of, in India, it's very um, hard to find a film that's slow, that has this kind of pace. This is slow for India. Um, so it was really fascinating to find an editor who did commercial Bollywood films to come up with this kind of pace. So, um, and he just got all the moments correct. Um, it, so I didn't actually do anything, really, at the edit. How he did, did you find did. the editor? No, uh, actually, uh, I, I'd just like to add something to answer in response to a question is, uh, what we did have on set was an online editor, oh, yeah. and I kept that primarily, even if I had to spend some money for that, was uh, we knew we were going to do a post in, in India, so there was no chance there could be a patchwork or a reshoot happening. Our budgets didn't permit that. Though I was very confident of um, Avantika covering everything, because we had a good set of actors, and it was a tight schedule. 24 days, I think, for a first-time filmmaker is a little tight. So uh, we had the editor on set who was, who, was just, uh, who, who was just out of... I don't even know if that boy went to film school, but, uh, but he just knew how to edit. So we, we, we recorded everything on the video assist on a DV tape every day, and he sat in the evening, put together the shots... And if I wanted to get in half the time, I would just sit with him and just see that everything is covered. We're not missing out anything. So actually, on the 24th day of the shoot, we had a two-hour, five-minute film ready with us, with all the scenes in place. And I showed that to the editor in India before he started. And he said, OK, now don't brief me, which is what I wanted to say. Don't brief me how you're looking at the film. Give me the script. Yeah. And I've seen this. And leave it to me. And he did, he did cut it down to like what... What we are seeing now is 100 mm -hmm. minutes, and we have another about 25 minutes of shot footage, which are scenes which have just been deleted, and he did manage to bring in a certain style to it, which, which I think is nice. But again, that would not have been possible if everything had not been captured the way, yeah, the way it was. Th that was total luxury, to have a video assist, and to actually see your footage at the end of the day, oh my god. What I would do for like my fifth term film if I could do that, that would be awesome. But no, that that was really lucky, and I was not even used to seeing a video assist because I never shot with a video assist before. And, and I, I learned that actually to have that because I faced that with my own film, the one that I directed. I shot that film in London. It's a Bollywood film with five songs in it, people dancing on the streets of London on the Millennium <laughs> Bridge, and I had a tight budget too. Like the actor who's who's a popular actor. Uh, in India was also the producer of the film and, and my closest friend. So when you work with friends, it's very, very difficult. So I was put on a leash that, if, dude, if you if we have to reshoot or do patchwork of this film, you're screwed. So I, I, put, I brought in an editor on that film, brought him to London with me and actually worked, shot in the day, edited in the night, so I knew this process works. Mm. 
and and avantika yeah. is a far better director than than i think i'll ever be so she covered everything really really well it's a so fascinating well. sort of addition i mean there aren't any there are no producers in this room right now but in a sense you know in structuring the budget of a low of a very low budget yeah. film it is interesting again because what it reinforces is the sense of when you invest is at the beginning yeah. so that you're not in a situation and you make sure that you have everything that you need and that you don't do reshoots and that you yeah. have 24 days you're checking to make sure you've got what you need absolutely any other questions um it's very interesting that you said that you made this an indian movie but then you want to reach an international audience how do you think the process that you went through really worked that without very well i mean to me if you take the the court scenes i think you are making an indian from an indian um uh, perspective story but then you're putting the court to explain to everybody what it is the internal and uh, you know uh, creating more reasons do you think these are necessary to fit with the international uh, language that's a great question that's a great question because that was a conflict i faced you know i took the when i was when i was writing the, when i um this was, so i shot the film in july last year and i went to india to pre-produce in january and i showed the f- script to a few people and the court scenes were not there the, they were not there in the original script and everyone came back and said this is crazy because audiences need to see redemption audiences need to see why this is happening audiences need to see this and these were all film people uh some distributors some some not but all film people and they said you know there's something missing in this and i don't know what it is and i you know the and someone said to me i think one of there was a dp that i was um that was that i was looking at working with and he said you know it's the only thing that's missing is this redemption audiences would like to see the redemption so i kept thinking about it and i was like you know actually it's true and what 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 i'm trying to do with the film is i'm trying to figure out why a father would do this but there's no nothing in the script right now that says that explains why so i said okay why not structure these scenes such that it would be it would be easy for even a common person who doesn't maybe watch a lot of cinema or is not exposed to world cinema to understand because actually that is my audience i mean you know um if i was looking at distributing in india half the population is not educated so i had to keep those things in mind and i thought okay maybe this would help and once i wrote those and i showed it to potential distributors or sales agents or even film people they really liked that so it's it's that was the last element to go into the script actually yeah i, I just think that you know <laughs> it it was the only moment in the whole film where i kind of thought oof exposition yeah Yeah. It's I, not I, a personal story. Yeah. I know. I, I and I, I mean I, if I could edit anything it would be just the cut that. But yeah. what is brilliant is you know you're talking about you know why do people do things it's personal story. It's what's fantastic is that you don't want to be tarred with the same brush. So it's not we're not being told yeah. explained things because unfortunately unfortunately we we uh, need educating it's it's your kind of like i will not i will not accept this 
Oh, it's fantastic when you said, no, 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 it predates, you know, the Islamic religions. It's fantastic. It gets really interesting there. But it's coming from you. It's your passion. Yeah. Um, we're starting a process now. We're in term three, uh, some of us, and we're um, preparing for a documentary on victims of forced marriage in the UK, uh-huh. which that's why we're very lucky to have you <laughs> here. But um, I was wondering, the impression we got so far is that uh, the survivors of, of such a thing, are, some of them are very willing to to give information because they want to help others, while I've, I got, we got the impression that families who put them in that situation are completely out of reach, unaccessible. Is that, did, did you feel that? Did you manage to talk to any families in the process of... Um, yes, very, oh, that was, that was really interesting. I spoke to a brother who actually had seen his sister being killed by his father. That was actually the first interview. In fact, uh, one of my crew members is here. In, oh, I didn't even introduce her. Aisha Menon was my continuity supervisor and also my script development. I don't know why you're not up here, actually. <laughs> but um, we were actually, at that point, writing the script together. We were doing a lot of development work together. She's also a brilliant writer. Um, and she actually met with this brother um, who had been through that whole process. And he's actually now um, completely... Mm, cut himself away from the family. He lives by himself. He doesn't like to... To get him to talk, I think, even was difficult. And when we actually met victims, uh, female victims, they were all housed in a, in, a, in, a, in a house that had no address so that no one could know where they are. The families couldn't find them. And they wouldn't want to talk about the family. If they talked about the family, it was very sort of... It was like the other... They still knew that they existed, but it was like a... F- I've never... I mean, you talked about... You, I talk about my dad and my mom with a lot of love, thankfully. But they couldn't even come to talk about them. So I think they're, they're okay with, with telling you the, the, the sort of agonies they went through, but they're not willing to tell you much about the family. But not from the family's perspective. There's no way to feel that... No. Okay. No. They, I don't think they would talk. Thank you very much. Um, oh, sorry. Seeing as this uh, uh, hasn't been a commercial success, what's the subject of your next project? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to I'm intervene here because <laughs> okay. I, I know these two people really well. And one of the things is that, is that in this relationship, it's, it's Vantika who, who continues to be encouraged to write the stories that she wants to write. Yes. While Vivek tries to put packages together. So I'm going to make Vivek answer this question in terms of, you know, the next project that you're hoping to get off the ground. Um, I think we have just explained us a little bit more. We met on the film and we are married now. We were married two months ago. And we think very differently because I think of making... Oh, thank you. <laughs> I think of making romantic comedies. That's what I made as the film that I directed. And she, makes, she thinks of making some really good films, which will make people think. And we are on the process of developing about four scripts right now. And she's, Avantika's concentrating on Bollywood, where the two scripts, one is a popular genre film with obviously songs in it too. But uh, the idea, again, comes from to help society grow, but just bring it in with a bit of commercial element, which I think can happen by casting some big Bollywood actors in it. And so that's her, that's, her, that's her pet project now. And I've written uh, a romantic comedy, and it's in English. 
and uh, I've spent the last one week meeting casting directors in the UK and hopefully um, I'll put together something and yeah, that's what I'm going to do, make an English romantic comedy now. Yeah, because I've realized that the films that I want to make don't sell and the films that I don't want to make sell, so I have to sort of either sell my soul or like not make films. So I'm trying to find a nice balance that keeps me happy. But we'll see how that goes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thank you.